Hi, my name is Joe Jackson. I'm a journalist, author, interviewer and broadcaster. And what you're about to hear is one of the roughly 1,400 interviews I did for publications such as the Irish Times, Sunday Independent, Hot Press Magazine and for RTE Radio 1. How do I know there are 1,400 interviews, roughly? Well, because I recently digitised all the damn tapes myself. But do remember that many of the interviews were done for the print media and recorded on cassette tapes. So some are, let's say, sonically challenged. But I happen to believe that sonic consideration should at times give way to historical significance. And I'm glad to say that at least some powers that be in RT Radio 1 agreed with me on this and broadcast between the years 2015 and 2018 many of my interviews in a series called The Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. What follows is a programme that was made for that series but never broadcast due to circumstances beyond my control, which is what we broadcasters say when we don't want to start a war or get sued. But the pulling of this show did particularly upset me because it was my personal tribute to Sean Hughes. I recorded it not long after he died and it was to be broadcast the Christmas of the same year. But now it's available as a podcast. By the way, if you want to read the article that I wrote out of this meeting with Sean, check joejacksoninterviewer.com. Hi, welcome to the Joe Jackson Tapes Revisited. And tonight's show is one I wish I didn't have to make in these circumstances, simply because I was truly saddened on October the 16th, 2017, when I heard about the death of Sean Hughes at the age of only 51 from, it was later reported, a heart attack. So you can imagine how eerie it then felt when I flicked into my cassette recorder a tape of an interview we did coming up to Christmas 1993, and the first thing I heard was Sean talking about a poem he was writing about dying of a heart attack. This, to me, was cosmic synchronicity to a laughably absurd degree. And that reminds me. After I flew to London to meet the man, I was told to proceed to St. Mary Le Beau Church. It was Christmas time, so I rather surrealistically began to wonder what I'd find. A new messiah, maybe? Cool, I'd get the first interview. Or maybe Sean had heard that staff in Dublin Shelburne Hotel jokingly described the alcove in which I did many interviews as Joe's confession box, and he wanted to do ours in a real one. The truth was funnier. The church was a comedy venue at lunchtime, and he and a certain Vicar Vic were standing in opposing pulpits, taking part in a joke-your-way-to-heaven-or-hell duel. And no, we didn't do the interview in a confession box. At least, not a real one. It took place a half hour later in the offices of Sean's London representative. Hughes, at that point, was presenting on TV the Channel 4 series Sean's Show. He'd also recently published Sean's book, an anthology of his journalism, short stories and poems. And frankly, I found its tragicomic tone so compelling, I took from the book many of my cues for this interview. And I soon discovered that Sean, born to Irish parents in London, but who moved to Ireland when he was six and spent most of his childhood in Furhouse, County Dublin, was a kind of Pagliacci. I titled my Hot Press article, The Fears of a Clown. I still would. But let me add this in hindsight. One of the defining features of Sean's art was that he neutralised taboo subjects by addressing them directly and with great humour. But many people in 1993 found offensive what he had to say and even the language Sean used. The same, no doubt, will apply to this broadcast. It is not for the faint of heart or Puritans, but most definitely captures Sean Hughes, soul-searching and uncensored. A light-hearted question to begin with. The Cure, the soundtrack to your life. 
So you're half in love with suicide and death? It's, it's not so much that, it's just, uh, I think, um, I don't actually pay that much attention to Robert Smith's lyrics. Do you not? I must right. say. Okay. Because I know he hasn't written a lyric for about 10 years. They're oh. all from, because you know, he's happily, all right. happily married sure, sure. as such for a long time. But I think the music, it really works for me on, on that level, like, it's very strange. Like what, dark, dark-hearted and kind of... Yeah, it's just resonant. something about them. And there's some, like, I love these, when there's a, a beautiful love song, like, uh, Just Like Heaven is still one of right. my favourite songs of all time. You know, show me how you do that trick, the one that makes you laugh, she said. And um, and that's, um, like, we have them on the show as well, the very last right. episode. Right. Robert Smith plays my mother. But is that the kind of stuff you would have hooked into? I mean, there's a lot of darkness in your book, whether it's anger, whether it's kind of angst. Or are we seeing too much of your TV character rather than revealing something about yourself? Well, there's none of the TV character really in the book. It's, oh. um, I, I find, you know, when you say, is it angst, is it anger? If I could actually tell you that, the book wouldn't exist. Okay. Because a lot of the, I find that a lot of the time, there's this battle in my head of, uh, you know, I don't, I want to live on my own. I don't want to be lonely. And do you live on your own? Yeah, okay. I need that space. It's oh. actually, I've just written a new poem and, uh, it's not together yet, but right. there's, and it's about the fact that you're living on your own. And if I have a heart attack, all right, you know, yeah, I said yeah, yeah. two weeks later, my my body will be the same color as my eyes, you know, and the eyes that deceived many a lady, and also one's ghostly soul. Yeah, but I just asked you. I mean, are you half in love with easeful death? I mean, that's Keats and all that kind of dark romanticism. And there you tell me you're writing a poem about if you die. Yeah, but you I know why, why that fascination if it's there, or why even that theme at this moment. I think that would be. Uh, being frightened rather than, you know, like that, because I don't see much romance in death. Do you not? No. Right. You know, it was... No romance in suicide, that old Byronic oh, no. idea of, you know, sacrifice everything, the final great gesture is suicide. There are times, and I think it's with everyone, where you just think, I can't be asked with this world, because they just, we seem to be on a different wavelength. Right. But you always push on because you think something's going to happen. You know, I think it would be too much of a cop-out to kill yourself. To kill yourself? Did you yeah. get close to it? No, but I've had really gloomy depressions, and they come on very quickly. You know, I remember even during the making of Sean's show, I was yeah. in a cab, and see, this is the way, this is where I struggle in life, and it's, it's where other people can't understand. I was just coming back from a rehearsal, it was about half, three, four, in a cab, and the strange thing about and it's probably the same with Dublin now, but, you know... You get the cab in the centre of town and people are bright and bit sharp. And you go out around. And as you Absolutely. go, people get poorer and poorer oh, yeah. and uglier and uglier. Oh, yeah. And we got up to uh, Hornsley Lane <laughs> and this uh, Greek guy came out of a betting shop, looked at his thing, and I just went, his wife's going to get beaten up tonight, you know, he's going to be in such a foul mood. And then that, that from that tiny sure, little gesture, sure, sure, I was, sure. I had to, I was, Two minutes later, I was down like this in the cab, trying to keep it together, like you know, and just saying, "Fuck's sake, Sean, hold, yeah, yeah. hold on to it, like you know, you can't let these things." But affect why is you. it treated that easily? You can't be that open to the world and survive. You know what I mean? I think it's you know, obviously, when you're tired and at a low ebb, okay. they can come at you, okay. like you know. Okay. So how often do those kind of bouts hit you and last? Um, like, is it an hour? Is it weeks? No, it's. It's because like, I used to suffer from anxiety years ago. Right. And that was, that's the beginning of an anxiety. Like, that's oh, yeah, right, okay. And Because at first start there, you go, oh my God, it's going back into that. Right. And you go, keep it together. And then you busy yourself for right. two hours with physical exercise. It's like, 
It's like when you're extremely hungover and you regret being alive. It's that right. kind of thing. Right. The anxiety attacks, do they uh, involve medication? Um, I have a friend who, who suffers from the same thing and it can strike her. We're in a social gathering and she just tips me on the shoulder and says, I, I have one second to get out of this room. Mm, yeah, I used to you be know. like that. I'm not anymore. I, I right. used to, that's the beta blockers that I mentioned in the oh, church. Right. I used to take right. them. Anna, did what are they? I don't, sorry, excuse my ignorance on that one. They were a thing that slowed the heart. How do you spell them? B-E-T-A, blockers. Oh, right, okay. Okay, so they slow the heart. Yeah, so they're not a tranquilizer, but they slow the heart down. Right. So you'd never actually get off on it. Okay. But, yeah, I used them for a couple of years. And what was the anxiety attacks rooted in? I mean, did anybody even bother to analyse it? Did you analyse it or was it...? Well, it, it came for me from uh, very straightforward. When I was 19, I had a terrible uh, acid trip. All right. And, um, and, like, and I got over that. It was a terrible one. And the next morning it was, oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. OK. But then, about two weeks later, in a cafe, having a cup of coffee... Flashback. No, well, you, you're told all about the flashbacks. Yeah, right. You might get flashbacks, yeah. um, which is bullshit for a start. Right. But, you know, I was very naive about the whole thing, and I took a sip of coffee, and it was cappuccino, and I got a rush from right. the coffee, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm having a flashback. And I had a major one. And then, for that part of my life, that was the most desperate I've ever been, because I thought, well, that's it. You know, right. this is the rest of my life. I want to hide under my bed. All right, and that's all when right. I decided to move over to London. Like, I was like that, moving over to London. And before that, you hadn't been bothered by it? Well, we, obviously, we all have temporary anxieties, but it hadn't been a major factor. No, because it's very much where, in a sense, it was a trauma. And a trauma either builds your character up or destroys you. And mine destroyed it at the start, and then you rebuilt. And, like, I'm, in a sense, very glad it happened now. Right, right. But um, I'm over the anxiety now, but things like... I never get depressed about things like reviews or, you know... Right what people say to me and like that. It's like little incidents that I see out in the street. What about love? What about relationships with women? Um, do you see maybe you cause depression too, if I'm to believe what a lot of what I'm reading in the poems, as opposed to just feel it? Well, you know, again, like, if I, if I really spent a lot of time thinking about relationships, then I'd be depressed all the time. OK. But, um, and that's why I think I'm always trying to jump onto the next, you know, there's someone new out there. The next relationship? One, yeah, because this one hasn't really worked out. Isn't that, is that infantile romanticism, though? Yeah, very much so. No, <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, I know, no. Jesus suffer from the same thing. If it's called suffering, eternally reaching for the better relationship, the better woman, whatever. Yeah, and it's because I was brought up as a, a romantic, like, and I, right. when everyone else was going out, uh, playing at being couples, I refused to do it because I knew it was a game. And right. I, I used to sit at home, you know, and say, well, no, I'm going to meet the perfect person. And that's the only thing that keeps me alive. Could also kill you in the long run, though, because you may get to an age or a stage where you realise this ideal doesn't exist, and you have to settle for less than perfection. Well, I'm getting to that stage already. Right. right. But um, you know, it's, it, then you start thinking, well, okay, what else is there in life? Right. You know, and then you start. You know, it's the thing that's like, if you think about these things too much, right. you will top yourself. Sure. And you have sure. to think about other things, and that's why, like, I have probably got out of my head too much over the last couple of years and I've just actually made a decision now to actually I'm not doing any more drugs since when like this morning no um about a week ago right. um I'm like a real clean slate yeah no no well I never did that many anyway but right. I, I have been right. known to take a little bit of right. nose powder well you I mean you have that in the last poem and I was wondering was that part to shake off the kind of being the kiddie's favorite and yeah. the ideal image for parents you're not the per perfect man very much this is so, what I do yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah, you have to, because there's nothing like, you know, 
I could never lead a, a life that was such a pretense and then sure, you know, sure. shaking hands with parents and going, hey, yeah, the kid's great. I have to go. thinking you're the ideal role model. Yeah. You know, hey, the, I will go, hey, the kid's great, but I'm going into the toilet now to kind of get a little high, if you don't mind. Right, right. I, How much of that shit did you step up your nose then? Never uh, a major lot. It right. was very much social. Never bought any of it. Okay. It was very much like a couple of people I'm with were always right, doing right, it. Like, right. Yeah. But how big a part of it is it in the business you do? Like people needing either amphetamines or something like that to just, like as in jazz, as in Lenny, as in blues, as in all that, to get the kick to project your body and soul out there into the audience? Um, well, I never use it um, for... At that point, we were interrupted by a woman bringing Sean his lunch, a cheese and tomato sandwich. It was wrapped in cellophane. Hence the upcoming sound effects, which are a pain in the ear. But what Sean says is too important to cut. And no, I wasn't fed. Those damn celebs. All right, so, so just the element of like, yeah, people I, using it, are you using it in terms of the act? No, never. For Recu confidence, confidence, whatever. No, it's actually, that's the very last thing I'd use it for. Right. But is it a pattern? Is it something that, that is dominant in the uh, in the business and in the viewer? No. I think it is recreation, but I still like it's and it's also for people who aren't really uh, who haven't got much else going in their life because it's a group of people who are hanging out together and, right. and doing it. Right. I know for a couple of friends it's a way of life, which is a bit frightening. Okay. And I know they do it just to keep going on a day to day basis, but um, no, I. It's never. I never need anything for performance because I'm actually hyper enough. Yeah, because I don't do as much anymore. Because even with live stuff, like where I was used to doing like five nights a week, and and now it's just like major tours, and I love it. I can't wait right. to, you know, be on stage. But so also, nothing excites me anymore. Nothing excites you. Mm. Not even kind of this reaching bigger audiences and the potential for fame growing and all that no see that to me you pointed out to me the the essence of the futility of fame when you describe and i've talked to so many people about it that telling moment where you're coming home from the tv show and you see something out there that makes you see well so what i've just done can rehearsal for it will go out over the air but i'm seeing pain there i'm feeling pain here and all mm. that is irrelevant i mean is that how you feel about it overall yeah the, the first thing is it was very much because it was my first series, and I was kind of going, I couldn't understand if people didn't like it. Right. You know, I'm going, what do you mean people don't like it? I've <laughs> put two years in my life, what do you mean? And like, you know, it's kind of, um, and now I just go, look, it's just a TV show. Right. You know, if you like it, that's brilliant. You know, I put a lot of effort into it, but if you don't, right. there's no problem. You know, and it's, I, I don't. But what about the hollow feeling at the end of it? Because there are so many people who'll be reading this, hot press readers, who, whether it's doing what you're doing, being in a rock band, they think this is going to be the panacea, the kind of prayer to answer every human need. Well, it can and do. And that dream is still sold. You can do if you play the game. Right. You know, where most people, like, I, I'm lucky in that sense of I really enjoy what I do. You know, I love sitting down and writing. Right. And I love performing. Like, um, I only wish I had a different personality because, like, money amounts up and I've turned down ads and all that and I could make a lot more money and I could sell t shirts a lot more expensive. And. But if I knew what to do with the money, because, you know, right. I'm basically a cheese and tomato right. type person. Right. Like, it's not right. like, um, let's go to the fanciest restaurant, let's buy some designer clothes. <laughs> I've no interest. And I wish I did. I, I wish I was at the moment planning to buy a big house or right. a swimming pool right. or a jacuzzi right. and all right. that. 
Why incidentally did you make the decision to go totally clean on, on using anything, even recre recreationally? Anything happen? Another no, it just I think um, I get to the stage where 28, I'm not as young as I used to be. In fact, I'm not really young anymore. You know, compared right. to I used to think I was young, right. and all of a sudden you're 20. You're not really young anymore. You, you know, you're young in the big scale of things. And I just thought, I don't enjoy it. I'm gonna cut. I'm even cutting down on drinking and smoking as well. So, like you know, well, this last though, or is this something that happens every four months where you say I'm gonna clean out my body like a lot of people do, and then they go bananas again after Christmas or something, or for Christmas. You know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. The process of denial, which then is fine. It's all very Catholic. But that's why I want to go to Lent. <laughs> you know, but that's why I won't say I'm giving up booze because right. even though I want to, but yeah, because it's not even that much of a sacrifice because I didn't do that much drugs, but I've decided right. no, it's just I don't like that way of life. Did you tell me you're giving up regular smoking? I'm gonna cut down, gonna cut down. Yeah. Would you like to give it up? I mean, that could, that could be seen as a bad influence on some of your Yeah, I don't want to give it up. You don't want to give it up. I really like smoking, All right. but I, I'm smoking 40 a day and that's not right. You are smoking 40 a day, yeah. What are you trying to do to yourself? I know. It's like, you know. Yeah. But that's, that's the only thing as well, which is really weird, with this health farm at the weekend. I worked out for an hour in the gym. And uh, and I, it was actually, I, I got a new joke out as well, because my friend said to me, if you saw your lungs, you'd give up smoking. And I said, well, it's a bit fucking late then, wouldn't it? Cause if I'm having your lungs <laughs> in my hand, I've got two seconds to live. Be likely a fight, right, yeah. <laughs> So that'll be uh, in the Irish state. Cause uh. I love, but, you know, and it's that kind of thing of... Um, and I wasn't out of breath in the gym, and I did. Right. I worked out for an hour, and I thought really, really stiff tomorrow morning. Right. And I wasn't. All right. So maybe I'm not as unhealthy as I want. So should we do a line of coke? Yeah. <laughs> maybe cigarettes are good for you. The forties are like what? Twenty-two many. You could have you could have yeah. done to twenty. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I then asked Sean Hughes if, although he'd said he was a cheese and tomato person, he'd made tons of dough. Yeah, for me I have. Yeah. Yeah. Beats these uh, employment assistance assistance schemes or whatever they're called over Enterprise here. Allowance, Enterprise allowance. Yeah. Enterprise allowance scheme, forty quid a week. Yeah. But I lived on that. I survived on that. That was great as well, you know. You still live in the same place that you used to live in then, or have you? Moved no, and I've just market? bought a house as well. Have you bought a house? Yeah. Which right. is again, snazzy. No, you know, just um, North London. You know, it's kind of a three-bedroom house. Which right. is, you know, great. I'll have a lot more privacy. Right. And that's what I wanted for. Like, you know, I I buy the occasional little bit of art as well. Right. Like what? Very, uh, you know, like who? Oh, no one. Like, oh, right, <laughs> not okay. in that right. league. But, um, you know, I bought um, this thing called Nile Crouching, which is a little sculpture of a boy. Right. You know, which is probably quite expensive. It was about yeah. a grand or something. All right. And sometimes I feel very guilty, you know, that there are homeless people I've spent. But, you know, come yeah. on, I'm, I'm yeah, doing yeah. it a bit. Yeah, yeah. Thousand pounds on a piece of art. This um, I read two of your poems, "Shaking Cream" and "Dad's Version." They give a rather sad view of, of a specific Christmas, or more, is that a more general view of home life at that point? Um, well, it's a real incident, but it did. You know, I felt, and actually, I was actually trying to make life feel a bit better there by giving my daddy's point of view. When in actual fact, you at, know, what at the time you wouldn't have seen that at all. Well, yeah, it was like. You can imagine how scummy it was, you know, I went in to play my record and I was boom trying to shake yeah. away and it goes yeah, over yeah. and he comes in and smashes me present. But I do remember one birthday as well where he locked the uh, stereo in the in the wardrobe because I did something, not out of malice, oh, I did right, something. Okay. But, you know, there's evil there, you know, to do that. Evil in your father? Mm. But what was that, I mean, how, was it that kind of relationship you both had? It sounds very Irish. 
Yeah, like, you know, I feel sorry for him in a lot of ways, like, and he's mellowed a lot now. Okay. But, you know, I tend to, I'm Scorpio, I'm not a big star person, but we don't forget things, like, you know. Right, I don't right. stupid little incidents. Because, you know, I always remember um, we were on the holidays in Cork at Easter time, and someone had bought myself and my brother Easter eggs, and my dad came up with the Easter eggs, and we had two cousins there, Tommy and Christy, and he gave them to them. Right. And I just knew... You know, and that was him being, hey, I'm your uncle. And you knew he'd bought them for you? Oh, we knew that someone had bought them for us. Oh, someone else had bought them? Yeah, for like, you? and he was supposed to give them to us. Cause, oh, wow. You know, that nice way. And you can see what he was doing as well. He was just saying, you know, and I just things like that annoy me. And then, of course, the reason why there's this slight evil there, and it kind of worries me, is because that thing that we talked about in the first series is fighting and turning into your own father, you know? All right, right. Yeah, but you talked about it on a broader level too, even there in the church, about kind of not wanting to recognise your own potential for evil, for mm. killing, for murder. I mean, they're all the parts of our own nature, particularly in Catholicism. We're told to celebrate the light, celebrate Jesus, and by God, that resembles the other chap. Yeah. Deny it. I know. So, I mean, but but was it is it a healthy relationship with your father now? I mean, is that tension something of whenever that was 15 years ago? Yeah, there's no tension there, but, you know... I have that relationship with my parents, which um, where um, there's a love there, but there's no right. understanding whatsoever. More love for my mother, like my dad is, yeah, all right, yeah, hey, you know, I wish him no harm. I love him to a varying degree. But um, but did you have to leave the country to get away from them? Well, to get away from that whole thing. Because you talked about that in the church too, the, the whole sad repetitiveness of, of that style of, well, it's, it's my own life, it's my own background. <laughs> And it is incredibly kind of soul-destroying to watch it and feel you're going to follow the same pattern. Mm. So did you feel you had to break away fully to make sure that didn't happen? Yeah, definitely. And I don't like going back there because, you know, right. at Christmas time I'll have to go to my local pub and everyone's pat me on the back and I'm just... Yeah, well, you write about that in my hometown. Is that mm. autobiographically true? Yeah. That kind of distance, that kind of... Well... I, I'll put up with it for 10 minutes or I'll play the game, but then please let me walk out alone or go off. Yeah, because my best friend, you know, who I thought we'd be friends for life, and we just, you know. Why, though? Because, um, you know, it's like a relationship, you know, a sexual relationship that's gone sour, where I don't want to talk to him now because I can't be as good as it was. Right. And we've got different interests, right. of course. Right. And um, and he's still doing the same shit, which we always talk about, which we wouldn't, which I talk about in that poem, and he's doing it, and I just say, right, that's it, leave me out of it. Right. I'm not right. living that life. Do you have any friends that take the place of him? I mean, do you have those intimate friends here now? I do, but like, right. you know, again, a new poem. Because do you live on your own or are you? I do, yeah. But you'll relate to this because, you know, when you have friends, and they're usually at this stage in relationships. Sure. And all you are to them is a distraction from their life. Mm. And, you know, there's a love there between me and various people now it's a close bunch but i'm a distraction because i know it's great i'll be go out with sean and i'll do the things i don't normally do but then i go back with my girlfriend right and um and i see you know just the buffers really right right so you feel disconnected from a lot of this stuff because of the way things have gone yeah completely yeah my younger brother i'm really close to and he's my lifeline to kind of that life at home to everything really Right. You know the poem about the brothers, then? How, it's not, that's not autobiographical, because your mum's still alive. That's, uh, that's about me, um, right. me dad, me granny dying. Oh, OK. So my dad and all these brothers. When was that? Must have been about ten years ago. So when did you recall that, or write that? 
Um, about two years ago. Yeah. Why had it such a vivid kind of impression? I mean, because it was you know seeing a dead body, and also right. the, looking at my dad, and he wouldn't cry. Right. And you know all the brothers and a couple of them would cry a little bit, but they wouldn't. None of them would cry, and I just thought it was such a tainted image, and it always stayed with me. That 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 was not to you a human response. Well, I just you know I was there and I was going cry, cry, yeah. you know, because I was yeah. crying just from seeing this dead body. Right. And as I say in the poem, thinking about my mum dying. And so what I think, right. and that was right. their mother, you know. Right. right. Is your mother very? You you refer to your mother of, of, of maybe I haven't got the line right, but crying for her, her every unhappy waking moment. Is mm. that a truthful reflection of her life? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think most working class people have that life, and that's why religion is important to them. As so, compensation. Yeah, because you know there's, there's people who still think Earth is you know it's hell. Earth is hell on Earth, you know, and, and heaven. All oh, right. Heaven is, you know, what we put up with. And, like, you know, the thing is, there's going to be misery anyway, so you might as well give them that something to help them get over that, you know, because my mother just buried her brother over here last week, right. so I went to another funeral. And, you know, the priest came up to me afterwards, and, and I just said, look, I don't believe any of this yeah. shit, like, you know, I don't want to talk to you, because he was just come away for a week on retreat with me. But, yeah, lovely. Who was? The priest. Because I was saying, I'm actually, I like... Uh, Buddhism philosophy, but I'm right. at the same time not going to go down and pray to a big fat bloke either. I just like the fact that they try not to harm anything and they believe in, you know, peace and all right, that. Right, right, right. Because this guy was telling me this priest was saying, I left the church as well, you know, and then I was watching a horror film one night and I believed again. And yeah, nice one. See ya. <laughs> so how does your how do your parents feel about you writing those poems and publishing them and and uh, revealing their sorry state of affairs in that way. Well, a lot of people. Sorrow. A lot of people, you know, like you're unlikely to bump into me, folks. You know, right. in that sense, and and any of their friends who would pick up the book will not pick up on anything like that. You know, right. and they try not to think about it too much. Like, but, you know? but they've obviously read it, and you sent it to them. And I mean, oh, have they not dad. got back to you? Your dad or not? No, it's, uh, I don't want to hear any comments about my work from my dad because he's yeah. thick as shite, like, you know. Oh, really? and, uh, but is he really? I mean, it doesn't necessarily follow that working-class fathers wouldn't read poetry or anything. Oh, like no, that. not at all. But, like, you know, I just know from any time he's right. done any of my work, he doesn't understand it. But Mar he, he, okay. my younger brother's Martin, and uh, my dad was saying to him, you know, because he, he snuck a look at the book. I didn't give it oh. to him because Martin had the kind of uh, the first copy. And he went, my dad said, I oh, fucked in the head. And then, <laughs> and then the other thing was, um, and the very fact that the book's all about moments and they're supposed to contradict each other. Yeah. And he says, he tends to contradict himself here one after the other. <laughs> and that's kind of common. But I still haven't forgiven, oh, not forgiven my dad, but I never let him forget because he came up to me after a live gig once and he went, you've got a great rapport with that audience. <laughs> So I never, I always bring that up. But, um, and your mother? I mean, what does she think? She, I, look, don't be going on about God, come on. Oh, does she? Yeah. Catholic response. Yeah. I'll just get that. Yeah, okay. After Sean answered the phone, and by the way, while he was answering the phone, I secretly scraped up a few crumbs from his sandwich. I'm kidding. But then we returned to the subject of the family. So after that kind of experience, I mean, do you have any faith in the family concept, the whole kind of family unit, or was it all just... I think it works way? for some people, yeah. but not, not as an ongoing thing. I don't intend to bring any kids into the world. 
Really? Do you really? Because you write about that and you've talked about that. So people trying to give meaning to their lives, yeah. meaningless lives by having children. Is that really a view of I think to a, to a certain degree. You know, that's a bit too black and white okay. to say, you know, this is the gospel. Right, but, um, to... but the thing about my dad as well, like, you know, is that he read the In Dublin piece recently, where I just said mm. I used to shop with Freemasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went, look, son, you shouldn't be talking about that. That's a real bad reflection on us. Because it was, you, you were young and we were there. Right. And that's what he was concerned about. And I go, get a life. Oh, right, right. If that's the only thing that was revealing yeah. or important. Because, you know, but like, you know, as if shoplifting was a major crime. Like, sure. What it is. Yeah, yeah, what it is, yeah. No, I thought it was great fun. Really subversive of the stuff. But the thing about uh, children, I mean, is that is your personal view. I mean, in terms of if you're in love with a woman now and she wants children, you say no, no way. Yeah. You really will. Yeah. Because it is a thing of like, you know, let's, you know, let's have a kid, like, you know. And like, kids are brilliant, and I can understand why people have them, but it is that, like, a, have, you never, have you never loved somebody that deeply, or she loved you in return, that you both felt it would be right? But how do you express love through having a kid? I don't oh, understand. A lot, no, my, a, lot of, a, a lot of women will define it that way, that the creation of a life out of our love, out of our two bodies, out of the union of our relationship, is something... That's the natural consequence of this. I find that bizarre. Do you though? But yeah. you, you believe that that's what a lot of people believe. I mean, a lot of women, and I'm not being mm. sexist at all, but women... Oh, please have... do then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but women do. I mean, the, that response has been put to me, you know, that the, the ultimate kind of sign of the love between a man and a woman would be to create a child together. Yeah. Now, you just won't buy that one if well, a woman Well, for a start, to... I don't believe sex is the best way of expressing love either. All right. You know... I like I just wrote an article for Elle magazine, and I said uh, modern sex is uh, is precepts for the generation too frightened to go to the gym on their own. You must read search. <laughs> but um, but you know it's kind of. Um, but do you believe that? Come on. Yeah, I think sex is a very nice physical thing. Um, like you know, I've made love once in my life, and I think I was kidding myself. And that's what I mean, like, you know, I, I can't get into bed with someone and say, I love you so much, right, I'm going to stick my dick. Right. You know, you know in your vagina, I think, because that's how I want to express my love for you. Okay. You know, I but find you did once. Yeah, because I was madly in love with this person, and um, just once where I went off somewhere okay. and it was a different plane. Alright. Is that fair to the women you're fine, or do oh. they always accept? I, I'd never lie. I'll never be saying to oh, someone like we're making love now. Yeah. And like you know, yeah. at the same time, you know, if I if I was saying to someone I do love you, and I said, but let's have sex, you know, and it is. They're like, not you know, necessarily. I only wish I could say different, and that's why you know, right. you know, I don't really like having sex, but I do like having sex, and I don't like having sex, and you know, sometimes it's good fun to do, and sometimes I think no because it means too much. Yeah, but you write a lot about that in the book, and and your your post guilt scenario, your post sex scenarios of the guilt and the self repulsion and all that stuff. That that story uh, called Hell is Other People, yeah. and I'm very proud of that story because you know this guy actually is in bed with this woman, and then he's thinking of all these people he saw earlier on in the day, yeah. and then she comes into his image and it destroys him because sure. he's imagining sleeping with the person he's actually sleeping with, and then there's a lovely twist at the end of that story as well. She wants, and like I wanted people to read that. People going like, not to feel sorry for this Kenton guy, but right. it's all from his point of view, and not for one moment do we think of the woman sure. like you know what sure. she's going through. And what I was trying to say there is there's another story to be told, you know, and yeah, I yeah. just I haven't seen yeah. that. I'm sure it's been done before, but right. I haven't seen it. I just Are you Kenton? No, not at all. You're not at all? No. But sometimes you must, I mean, if you see a woman in a bar, like he sees a woman in a bar earlier. No, not really. really. Not. Like, there's times where you, you see someone and you go, oh, I'd love to shout her, but you know, you never kind of uh, 
you know, in that peep show. That, that's kind of, uh, that's basically, like, that Kenton would be based on about four people, and okay. I'd, be, I'd be one of them. Sure. That's for sure, sure like, sure, you know. Sure. But, but um, you're really stripping down the so-called act of loving to what you see it as press-ups for or whatever. Yeah. I mean, in, in a lot of the writings in the book, it is kind of reduced to that. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the, the spiritual love, really, rather than the physical one. But are you really? I think the unit of spirit. Really, though? Yeah. See, I think this is a big... Uh, I don't know whether this is one of the unspoken, not hang-ups, but aspirations of people who are Catholics. You have to... You, you translate your need for spiritual life into something else. Now, some can get it back in music, some can get it back through poetry. Others look for that in sex. And I think a lot of the Catholics, ex-Catholics I've talked to who are artists, do tend to associate some kind of spiritual longing with... You know, they want more than just to the orgasm and go. Yeah. It's like... What, there must be something more to this. But that's what I'm saying. I, I, I go the complete opposite way where I think um, you'll never get it via sex. All right. So I'm looking for the spirituality of, um, you know, in a sense, that Buddhist thing of, of right. being on your own and getting your own nirvana, that sense, like, All you right. know. And you don't think you can get it through sex? No, I can't. Hopefully other people can. Do you hope to? Not in the house. Wait, I've, I've, I've had could, too much experience to kind of go back and all that really it's like you know i remember a thought i had years ago which i haven't had for a long time but about where sometimes it'd be great to be so ignorant all right you know and so actually you think of these things you know like um that numb thing the dentist give you if you could just put one of those in your brain and uh, and you you forgot all knowledge and you could fucking believe in god all right and uh, right. and you thought like you know Sex was making love, and the thing was to do was to have babies, and all. And Birds of a Feather was a really funny program, and all that. You know, I, I sometimes think I might go for that because it seems like a lot less pain. But you're not going to go for it. It's not going to happen, is it? No, because that's the thing. Like you know, it's all very well we say we get depressed from my folks and all that, the lifestyle they lead. But because they're kept ran off the feet all the time, they don't think about it. Sure. And if they did, like, they'd just be a Jim Jones suicide pact all over the suburbia. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you maintain your image as uh, if you're a sex symbol to certain women <laughs> when you write about no when you could, because I mean if these women are longing to bed you or have gone to bed with you, and they read your, they really read what you're writing in that book. Well, if I was a woman, you'd hardly be my ideal of romantic. You know what I mean? There's too much going on there. I mean, how do you how do you how do you, how do you keep it up as in the image a sex symbol? Well, you know, it's not really me keeping it up like that. That'll be the media picking up on a, on the same aspect. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, I still will on occasion just shag people, like you know, because as you know yourself, when you write poetry, like you're you're expressing a moment, and that doesn't mean you're going to live out that moment right. for the rest of your life. And uh, I let go every so often. With um, like you had uh, fans who would queue up even in a church to talk to you afterwards. Even in a church, even in a church, I love the irony. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, is that a factor or is that not a factor? You know, of of what? of of fans who who want to sleep with you, who write to you and long for you that way, or want I, to love you, or marry you, or whatever. Yeah, I don't necessarily think they want to sleep with me though. What, what do they want to do? I don't know. Straighten but... you out. Yeah, probably. Call me here. <laughs> Just keep them going. Hey, that's that's a lot nicer. <laughs> but really, come on. That must be. You must get some letters along those lines or or approaches. Um, honestly, you don't. Do you know? You know, because we have an information centre and they go through someone else. Uh, there was a word when I got recently from this woman who obviously is crazy about me. She was telling me how she's met someone else now, and uh, and how she thinks of me when she's sleeping with her husband. Right. And. Uh, 
and how she's found someone else out and said, it's good to give you a rest. <laughs> but you know, it's hard reading that kind of but stuff. But are you involved in a steady relationship? Mm. You're not. Well, so when you say my girlfriend, you mean a girlfriend. When you said earlier, oh, yeah. as part of an answer, I go home with my girlfriend. Yeah, no, that would be, I, I consider it like friends, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends type well, thing. Well. Like, you know, yeah, I You have? I haven't. I couldn't. I couldn't you couldn't? You just don't believe in relationships? No, no. What's the longest love relationship you ever had or a sex relationship? Well, there'd be ongoing things, you know, right. where, what tends to happen is... Uh, Which don't I, involve monogamy because you write about that in, the poem, in poems too, about how mm. someone knew that they couldn't be faithful, so... Yeah, I know, it's... Like, what tends to happen with me is I fall in love really easy. And, like, I'm a real bastard for that because I do mean every word I say. Right. And now what I say to people, if I meet them, and there is a chance we'll be going out, I say, look, I think you should know, in a couple of minutes, I might well tell you that I love you. And tomorrow morning, I might not want to see you for a little bit because I'm, you sure. know, because my mind goes to that. Because most people, I don't understand that, again, most people are going to go, I love you, and then, right, we're in love, and that's it. And we see each other six times a week. And I can go, I love you, and I love you. And then, oh, look, I don't want to see you for a little bit. And that doesn't mean I don't love them. And people seem to want to really cling on to things. Right, and, right. and that's the only way to... Once you start feeling trapped as well, you end up kind of... So you couldn't to, commit to an exclusive relationship? Like I couldn't that. commit to a week. Dating really. one person, living to a week? Yeah, I couldn't live with anyone ever. Really? No. Like, I like when, like, occasionally, you know, see someone out and they'll stay over. But there's never any chance of, like, where you go one night, oh, we've been seeing a lot of each other, let's move in together. That's something you can be guaranteed. Does it, do you also get to the moment in the morning where you also want that person gone, no matter how great the night was? No, that, that's it. Right. That's if it was a uh, sexual a thing. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, you would. But um, I tend not to. I've stopped all that. Is any of it? Is any of you know the way you do? You obviously need your space, but you also have a kind of quirky line in one of the poems where it's about you're not having the space to contemplate your loneliness. Yeah. How much is that? Is that kind of masturbatory? You know what I mean to a degree, yeah. or do you really need? Like I'm not. I I won't know I'm lonely until I have time to sit down and contemplate the nature of the loneliness. Of yeah, it's very much so because like you know you're living on your own, <laughs> and you kind of sometimes there's moments where you kind of longing, and there's other times like you just want to be on your own, and the phone's ringing, and and everything's a distraction, like you know, and because I never answer my door either. Right. Um. I just because I don't want surprises in my life, you know. Anyone who knows coming up to me, like if someone says seven o'clock, I'll answer the door around seven o'clock. You know, I'm like, right. hello, is that right, you? Right, you know, right, come on right, in. Right. But you know, friends know it, and I don't understand them. People just ring on my door, and they keep but do you on wallow in the loneliness? No. I mean, is, it, is it a natural state that you've learned to be content with? Oh, very much. I'm content with it. Yeah. Your loneliness. Yeah, you know, because right. like. People often say to you, and they're surprised. I don't see how they could even ask questions to say, "Do you ever get lonely?" And you go, "Of course I do." You know, as if you're going to go, "Oh no, no." You know, I just you know read a book or something. That's fine. But um, I'm very content with that. You know, and I know now I'm too selfish to be in a relationship to actually, you know, spend a lot of time with someone else because I'm also because it's with the creativity. It's 24 hours a day right. where it's right. you know I want right. to be on call. Right. Women don't understand that either. I mean, if I found so many people say that about if you're committed to writing or something and you have to pull away or go for even five minutes to write something, it's like it becomes another force that they almost get jealous of. Yeah, and I think, you know, even though I know you don't mean that the way you said it, but it's not just women, it's like your oh, right. partner. Yeah. yeah, your partner. I mean, partner yeah, in a relationship. of course. Um, I know, and if you're, if you're in that situation where that's going to cause problems, you should never have been in that relationship, you know, because... 
you know, because also, you know, I kind of see someone uh, now, you know, every so often, and she tends to ring me a lot for no reason. All right. I don't understand why. And you go, yeah, well, oh, right. I'd say you're a charmer on the phone, all right. <laughs> what did you do today? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what you did today. I have to go. See. <laughs> are you, are maybe, are you a latent homosexual? Probably. <laughs> I do have uh, homoerotic dreams. Do you? Yeah. About who? Don't tell me. Sting. <laughs> no, but actually, the weird thing was, I had one about Morrissey um, the oh, other right. day, and then I met him the next day. Yeah. And he was really charming. It was charming. No, he was really charming. <laughs> I didn't mention it to him. Cause, oh, did you know? You, know, oh, you, you sound like such a, a ponce. I, yeah, I had a big <laughs> wet dream about you last night. <laughs> but, um, well, what about that whole, that whole area? Is it, does it attract you? Would you um, like to manifest something like an encounter with Morrissey? No, because again, the physical act of uh, showing another man doesn't appease me at right. all. And right. like the actual, the, the closeness of being with another man and, and cuddling and stuff is something very close to my heart. Right. I love that. But you know, and it's really odd because it's enough because with a woman, and that's what I want with them, is to be close and to cuddle with them. Okay. And then what happens is you know, you're there for an hour and then you start thinking, well, hang on. Oh, we're getting aroused, you end up shagging. Oh, well, right, with right. a man, it'd be like, you know, I can't imagine where we're cuddling, and I go, ah, no, turn around, it's time come to... on. Well, hey, <laughs> wheelbarrow. <laughs> but, um, I wouldn't discount it, I might well have her. Uh, and I'm not saying that to be very sure. charming and, and brett and kind of being yeah, very yeah, elusive, yeah. because I've always, um, you know, and I think it, I'm very much um, up for the, you know, homosexual people because I think right. they do get trodden right. on right but you know I, I again it must be so hard for them because like any gay people I know they're really lovely people and then you have like the gay clubs and all that and those people kind of annoy me so much because they're all yeah. too camp in that sense of really playing yeah. up to them. you've got to yeah. relax you know sure but again like you don't know how much shit they've gone through and it might be great to be able right. to express it with other people yeah yeah, yeah. But that's not an area you'd discount. No, I certainly wouldn't. Do you have any uh, homosexual erotic dreams? Not many. I wish I had more, actually, because <laughs> okay. my dreams are so trivial, usually. That was quite a nice one. Could you bring that in? Now, you'll bring that into the act. I mean, some of these areas are areas of taboo, which you would probably do with the idea of tapping into that. I've, I've, I've done that quite a lot, yeah. live-wise, you know. But isn't this part of it, you take something that you were saying in the church that maybe people can't deal with, and the only way to deal with it is to diffuse it with laughter or... Tilted a certain angle and then it becomes. Yeah, because you don't ever want to preach, so you know your right. job is to entertain the people in that sense. But to me, entertainment's always been educational. You know, on right. a night off, I don't go to see like run for me trousers. I go to see you know a pinter play or something, right. and that's what I consider entertaining. But I feel it's my job to you know not be too flippant. And of course, everyone loves gags, and you know I really enjoyed writing sure. that kind of uh, lung gag. Right, you know, with right, the smoking, right. and, and that's just like a joke. And, right. and I Are you self-conscious so about things? Like, you know when you make the Nietzschean kind of comment in the book and then you, then you diffuse it and say that's for just the kind of people who'd be impressed with that kind of shit? What, what bit was Nietzsche. that? Yeah, you know, the, oh, yeah. The, yeah. But in the hell is other people is Sarge. I mean... Yeah, I, I know, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, are you self-conscious about the fact that you ought not to be too learned? I mean... But I'm not, though, because, you know, right. I'm, I'm dyslexic. I can't right. even pronounce the bloody word. Right. Um, my vocab is tremendously crap. Um, I mumble so much. Right. I'm inarticulate. Right. There's so many words I don't understand. I'm not well read. 
And uh, we but, both had a problem with Oberon Wall. I mean, I have to listen to how he was saying it. No, <laughs> I'm terrible. I just go, oh, you know that. You know that. You know. That. You know that. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you would. You want to see Pinter, and you would read these things, and maybe yeah. you'd even read Nietzsche there on the slide with nobody looking. No, I haven't actually. Have you not? No. And I haven't read Nisarch either. Have you not? You just picked up the line. <laughs> oh yeah, you no, know, because I think it's such a brilliant line. Like, great. Yeah, know. but it also is, uh, to an extent, your philosophy. Yeah, it is Isn't a little it? bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I like again because I don't like this black and white. Like, here's my philosophy. Okay, fair enough. And yeah, also, yeah, yeah. I think right. you know things change, and that's important right. as well. Because right. actually, you know, I was talking to Bill Hicks in Australia, and uh, and it was really nice because he came to see the show and he really enjoyed it. And I'm a massive fan of his. I think he's just the best stand-up knocking about. I don't know if you, you, do you no, know who no, I mean. No, no. Brilliant. And um, and he goes out and he's very honest on stage and he says a lot of things. He does a lot of anti-baby stuff actually, right. and uh, and he does a line which I think is a brilliant line purely because it's it's like I would never say it on stage. He goes, you know, it takes a very special lady to go out with a comedian. No, no he says to go out with a comedian it takes a very special lady or a bunch of average ones, and I just think what an honest funny line. And I, how many oh, other right. comedians are going to go out and say yeah, that? Because yeah. people in the audience go, you. I hate yeah, you. Yeah, and he yeah. does stuff like this. And it was odd because we were playing pool afterwards. And, uh, and you know, we were talking about, you know, he's all anti, a lot anti-matter in a sense, like right. me. And, uh, and I said, yeah, but Bill, you know what? We're going out and doing these things. And he was going, why? And I said, to be proved wrong. Right. And that's what I want. You sure, know, I want to come sure. out with these views and I want them to go, you're wrong. Sure. And if they yeah. take me the other way, I'm... Yeah. Gladly, you know, that's what I mean about that kind of syringe as sure. well. If someone can, you also then would be anti political correctness. Like when I said I don't mean to be sexist, you said I do be. Yeah, I mean, isn't that also can be becoming an anesthetic or a neutralizing factor in yeah. terms of art? All told, it's film, a poetry, song. It's literature. a very odd one because, uh, for a start, new man doesn't exist, there's right. no such thing. I think everyone's much more aware now, but the thing is, like. New man, there's no such thing as a new man who is perfect in every way. And what I try to always put across is that I have my ups and downs. I'm by no means perfect, right. and I have I can be as incorrect as anyone else. Like you know, and um, you know, it's just you see the media trying to put this across and going. You know, you see people who are not movers or, or right. shakers. Like you know, they're just people who kind of sit there and kind of pick up on little things and you'll, you'll hear it now, comments like in, even the church, oh, that's not really, uh, right. like, you know, yeah, people say, you're just going to fuck off, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, but at the same yeah. time, what the media are trying to do now is they're saying, oh, now there's a bunch of new people who are going against the grain and they don't believe in this political right. correctness. Yeah. And I'm going, look, things yeah. aren't black and white. Sure, it's not you know? But what about the, the like, the, the Mor Dermot Morgan and that kind of stuff? I mean, obviously, he has had no support from RTE. He's now going with proposals to the BBC. Is he, yeah? Yeah, so I only read that last Sunday. So I would suggest that there's a very incredibly straight lace, like the thing, the anti-religious. I mean, how, how much of that do you think you'd get away with in Irish television? Well, it's hard to know, really, because, you know, I've been out of the country for so long now. Right. I can't really, because I'm not reading the kind of commentary in the newspapers on right. a weekly basis. But I hopefully things have changed. It did disgust me a bit with the... Uh, abortion kind of referendum I just found that very shocking right you know right. that the country still you know it's just the whole point of using democracy to take our, our choice you know I thought that frightening but, but did uh, you feel when you go back into the late show a couple of months ago do you feel restricted like before you go on do you feel well now this is Ireland this is Dublin I can only say so much no you don't and I sometimes um I'm expecting 
any day now to get a massive backlash from the popular press over there. You know, not to put me down, but to pick up on some of the things I've been saying for years. Because, right. you know, when I did the stadium last year, and it was like the amount, and like this series actually might well do it because in tomorrow right. night's show, um, um, you know, God's always on the phone to me and uh, he brings in a Christian brother to um, to look after me this week, which is Brian Cox. Right. Who, you know, basically kicks down the door and goes, kiss the ring. <laughs> and uh, and he's very much trying to shag everyone inside. So, right. um, and like God brings up every week in this series, but, you know, I do expect it. I, but I thought from the last gigs, they'd give me a lot of flack, but it hasn't happened yet. Well, you see, the whole thing is, as you said, even there in the pulpit, which sounds so weird. So, dear. <laughs> as you said in the public today, Sean, the, uh, the Bishop Casey thing and all that has really took the wind down and kind of defused the moral yeah. superiority. I mean, it's really great, particularly for women. I mean, women are, be are beginning to see how the father figure, the priest figure, the bishop figure, the pope well, figure. Well, it was one of the joys for me to play Galway last year and do all my Bishop Casey stuff because there was a stone's throw because there was a big tent and the big church was there. Oh, and right. just go out and do that stuff about, because uh, I used to do stuff about, you know, he said, uh, you know, people said, leave me alone. It was just heat at the moment. And like, I've never understood that. I don't anyone go, phew, it's hot, should we fuck you? Okay. <laughs> and, and they said, how could it be heat at the moment? Like, you would have had about 15 robes on. He said, yeah, just one more layer off. <laughs> and I used to do loads of stuff about right. that. And, uh, and it was great fun to do. Right. So who then, if someone wants to, who do you have your preferences in terms of comics? I mean, do you go back to someone like Lenny Bruce? Is, is he a god or...? or... No, um... I understand what Lenny was doing, and he was ahead of his time. But I think the first one for me was always Richard Pryor. All right. Because he was the first comic to go out and say, "I'm Richard Pryor. This is what I do," rather okay. than go, "Here's some gags." And uh, and I think now Bill Hicks I love, and there's a, an Italian clown, Leo Bassi. Right. And uh, they're the two people I've been impressed with live. I'm really enjoying the Larry Sanders show, All right. and I'm looking forward to ripping that off in a couple of years for my um, fifth. You know, no, for me, it's such a ridiculous, like, you know, people saying Sean Shaw is like the, you know, the Gary Shanklin show, because it's just, I don't see the connection unless it's just a complete blind one of they show the sets and we show the sets. Oh, yeah, but right, right. I'm really enjoying the, the Larry Sanders show. I think that's um, very innovative. And, I, you know, I think it's probably the best thing on telly at the moment. These are artists to you? Yeah. Without, without having to put inverted commas around any of this, this is art. No. Yeah, it's performing art. It's art. Yeah. Right. Because that's what I do. Me, I do think the comics are the the good comics are the poets of the day. Do you? Very much so. Are you? Well, you know, I'm I'm putting myself up to be shot down yeah. by saying I never. You know, it's up to other people to say it for okay. me. I know what okay. I'm doing. Like you know, I'm just a romantic realist. By this stage, Sean Hughes and I had been told that our time was nearly up. But before we parted, I decided to get from him a quote for a brace of AIDS awareness articles I was writing at the time. Yes, this means we must go back to the subject of sex. And I wouldn't include this section had it not led to a telling quote Sean gave me about death. And a funny exchange we had after I phrased rather idiotically a question about condoms. But to start, I asked Sean, with the hot press youth demographic in mind, if he worried about AIDS. This is no, I don't issue. You don't? No. It's not been a concern? I mean, you practice safe sex. Yeah, I do. That's a hesitant answer, Sean. I know, because sometimes, you know, like, you know, I you couldn't say away. I've got a complete clean whistle, if you'll right. pardon the pun. Obviously, no, it, I don't know why it doesn't concern me ever. No. No. But at the same time, I haven't had a test and I have no intention of. No, why? 
because I got a great interview with Holly Johnson, who was magnificent, and yeah. the next issue of Bibi Side near yours. He talks about why he didn't have it for so long, and then how he responded with being diagnosed as HIV positive. And why didn't he have it? Because he was too frightened. Well, no, it's like it's like a lot of us. He was saying, uh, "I've practiced safe sex. I've been with one man uh, for nine years. Hey, it couldn't happen to me." Classic kind of cop mm. I just I, I can't deal with the truth. Do you worry it, about I it? Yeah. Uh, not as, I think I'm like a lot of people, not as much as maybe we all should, but I don't know if we all are as aware of it as... as I really regret shagging that green monkey now as well. <laughs> From Africa? <laughs> I didn't ask him where it was, it was just a one-night stand <laughs> in Bernie Chattered. <laughs> oh, come on now, you've all your young fans reading this, what do you say to them? Let's be a little more responsible. I know, I think, obviously, like, you know, but that's, that's what I mean. Have you got like, a on you now? Um, why are you thinking of that? <laughs> <laughs> I had one homoerotic brain job. Oh, I better gun. rephrase the question. Do you carry them around with you all the time? Well, I'm hardly likely at lunchtime going, I might get a shag. No, I don't. Certainly not. But, do you know, Phil Miller, but this is what's recommended to a lot of young people do in their wallet and their purse, women, men. Well, always, just not on the off chance that that's practicing safe sex. Well, so if you see just, it, just have a shag. Allow me! <laughs> But no, it's kind All of right. um, so you don't even carry condoms. No, but it's that whole thing of uh, it's it's like you know it, that's again with the whole sexual thing. If I have to use a condom, I'd rather not have sex really. Anyway. Really? Yeah. But yeah, of course, use a condom, and of course, like you know, when you say it's an old woman, you say, well, you've got a certain responsibility. But I don't think if I say, okay, anyone who likes me, I'm not letting you watch any of my shows unless you don't wear a condom. You know, it's, people have to have, are responsible for their own lives. Sure. And um, but if a woman in your situation. If she asserts the responsibility, of course, yeah. You know, because because as you say, some people are really worried about AIDS. Yeah, and uh, you know, I tend to because you know, well, from you know from the book, like, I do expect like the old ten ton to come down on my head at any second. Right. So you know, you yeah. Know, so be, what you're courting? You courted to a degree or not? Well, not not AIDS. Certainly not. Right. It's very painful and, and like you know, I'm very much. I do a lot of work for Terence right. Higgins. Right, right. Um, Alex's brother. Not to do with the organisation. Um, <laughs> Jay. Um, I hope so. <laughs> but you know, it is. Um, right. You know, I've got enough. I I think you know, I'll probably you know, and I, I see it sounds like you know I'm just trying to be over dramatic, but I don't expect to live forever. You know, because I'm aware of the concept of immortality. <laughs> Very good. I'm happy to hear that. But, you know... Do you expect to die within 10 years? I'd imagine so, yeah. Really, though? Yeah. But why? I mean, you've no serious ailments you're only going to tell me about now. No, I haven't. None at all. No. In fact, I've never had any illness. But it's that whole thing of um, things have happened too fast for me. Really? Over the past where, couple of years? No, in general. Oh, where, right. um, you know, I, I wanted to do things in my life and I seem to have done them now. And, and you know, it's kind of... I, I'm, I don't want to fade away, I'd rather... And not go out in a big blaze of glory, but... You know, I think I'd be happy with another 10 years. That'll do me fine. You know, come back to me in 10 years and go, please don't kill me, Joe. <laughs> yeah. OK. 10 years of fame or 10 years of life? Of life. Yeah. Because it'd be, that'd be a great film, actually, where um, a guy, you know, in an interview says, ah, oh, if I'm not dead in 10 years, I'm going to kill myself. And a fan picked it up in 10 years, somebody comes knocking on the door. Mr Hughes... <laughs> This article, the hot press. That'd be, you know, a good I'd film. feel great, wouldn't I? And how eerie, again, was that, given Sean's death at way too young an age, to hear him say then that he'd be happy to live just another 10 years. But to end our interview, and having interviewed enough celebrities to know that fame can be fleeting, 
I asked Sean if he felt that one day the British public, as in the case of, say, Terry Wogan, might grow tired of him and tell him to, well, go to hell. No, because I'm not I'm not actually courting, uh, like, the fame thing. It's very much like where the people like me are kind of slightly off-centre, not, right. you know, their minds, but they, you know... <laughs> But you know they, they've actually you know I'm I'm talking to them about their lives and that we're, right. we're touching on certain things, and you know there's and like it, it's always that whole trick of never be number one you know just remain in the background for a bit like you know I'm happy because you can't be top of, um, it's very much so because if you yeah. become flavour of the month as well and people yeah. do get bored with it like you yeah. know Angus Deaton and Paul Merton and all them yeah. they're so popular now which means they have to sure. spiral. But like, do you not feel the same thing? No, because um. I'm, I've got this brilliant thing in the sense of where like half the population knows me and half of them doesn't, right. and it's great because it's the half that I actually want to know me who do. Okay. Um, no, I think um, if I wanted to play the fame game, I could be a lot more famous. I don't do any of those game shows or you know right. don't do any of the ads or any of those big publicity things. I'm not interested. So what do you aspire then towards? I mean, is the film career is that kind of well, yeah, the somewhere? next the next thought really. You know, I'm just that's what I aspire towards is something get a really good idea and then articulate it. Whether you know, it would be nice to do film, but film is very dull to make, and sure. um, I don't know if I want to be wasting so much time. Well, you had the experience. Yeah, well, that was only a slight experience, sure. but I just know even from television. But you know, just doing film is so boring that I'd have to have such a brilliant script. Mm. But, um, yeah, you know, just the next thought and maybe some peace of mind, really. I dedicate this programme to the memory of Sean Hughes. May he rest in peace. Thank you for listening and good night. Hi, Joe Jackson here again. I thank you for listening to this edition of the Joe Jackson Interviews podcast. And as I say, if you want to read the article I wrote out of that meeting with Sean Hughes, check joejacksoninterviewer.com.